0: I'm the Drunk Phytologist, Dr. Rochelle Lapham, a.k.a. Phyto or DP, and I use the pronouns she-her.
1: And I'm Ethan Lapham, uh, also known as talking 363 and I use pronouns uh, he-him.
0: And this is Natural 20.
1: <laughs> Natural 20 is a podcast that discusses the lore, history, and biology of Dungeons & Dragons, Creatures, and Monsters. Natural 20 is also an adult podcast featuring adult language. You have been warned.
0: <laughs> uh, go back to classic. What are we talking about today? Ethan? Even...
1: Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Well, yeah, but which which monster are we talking about? Oh. That oh part. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So we had a request uh, for the Displacer Beast.
0: Mm hmm. From a very good friend, Action Economist, asked asked for the Displacer Beast, and so we're gonna go ahead and do that one today. Now, Ethan, you want to start us off? What am a Displacer Beast?
1: Well, I have what could be considered a small one currently in my lap. Displacer Beasts are another old monster, not one of that like core three we had previously discussed, but definitely something that is quite a bit older, goes back quite a ways. So yeah, they go back to first edition, and the description they give is fairly sparse. It's not one with a huge amount of lore behind it, I'm not sure if it was just something that was an on-the-fly description and then just written down, Mm -hmm. or if it was something that really was just sort of a a one-off monster. It's funny because, like, in the pages just previous to it in the original monster manual are, like, five pages of dinosaurs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there's five (laughs) pages of
1: all kind of dinosaurs.
0: dinosaurs. (laughs) We love the dinosaurs, man. And the Displacer Beast gets, like, three sentences. yeah. Well, here, hand me over 5th edition. We can read the description of the Displacer Beast as of now. So, yeah, the, the original then, was pretty
1: much like a... Yeah, okay. Only fully grown adult attack, and it's got some special bonuses mm-hmm. and, like, 50% of attacks miss. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's look, it. I like, turned
0: right to it. Yeah, that's See, the look whole
1: description, because it's basically just like, um, what? That's it?
0: All right, everybody. So, for 5th edition, Displacer Beast, page 81 in the Monster Manual... We have a large monstrosity So it's not a beast Uh, Lawful evil, I guess Uh, Armor class, 13 Hit points, 85 Speed, 40 feet Mm -hmm. Strength, we've got a plus 4 Dex a plus 2, con a plus 3 Intelligence, minus 2 Not a lot of book learning Wisdom, plus 1, charisma, minus 1 Now, the displacer beast looks like A really Big, muscular Panther At least that's how I kind of like look at it Mm -hmm. It's got the large canines Almost a bit like a saber-toothed cat It has So many legs Six It has six legs Which is a new thing As a long tail As well as these long tendrils That look a bit like tentacles Which come out from the shoulder blades Wrap up And then at the end of the tentacles Are sort of diamond shapes and those diamond shapes have spikes on the edge, on the ends of them. And so we'll talk a little bit about that later, what real-life animals that, that those appendages kind of mimic. Their senses, you have dark vision, 60 feet, passive perception, 11. Different special things they have besides multiple atta- multi-attack, which is they make two attacks with the tentacles. So they are referred to as tentacles. Yep. It's a plus 6, reach 10 feet... Mm-hmm. And they also have, they give bludgeoning damage, which is 1d6 plus 4, plus 3, which is a 1d6 piercing damage. Now, a special things about the Displacer Beast. Number one, they have what's called avoidance. If the Displacer Beast is subject to an, a- a- to an effect that allows it to make a saving throw to take only half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw and only half damage if it fails. So similar to evasion, I believe. Pretty close, yeah c- Pretty close is that a rogue kind of feature Displacement This is the displacer beast it's magic, you know Specialty Specialty, right? You get that extra You get that extra tier uh, Next tier feature It projects a magical illusion That makes it appear to be standing near its actual location Causing attack rolls against it to have disadvantage If it is hit by an attack The trait is disrupted until the end of its next turn this trait is also disrupted while the displacer beast is incapacitated or has a speed of zero. So basically, it makes it look like there are multiple ones of it in a similar sort of space. And you mentioned earlier that this was similar to kind of the spell blur, I think. Yeah,
1: where it's, it's not necessarily that there's multiple copies, but it's that it bends the light mm-hmm. around itself so that it appears like three feet off from its actual location. Right.
0: And so we'll get a little bit more into the lore of what 5th edition says that Displacer Beasts come from. But let's go back to what you were talking about, Ethan, on the 1st edition kind of
1: th- three sentences. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly minimal. Uh huh. So it's definitely one of those, you know, even the owlbear had a lot more. And I mean, don't get me wrong, there's not a huge amount of description for... A lot of things, like, you know, sure, dragons get a lot, and, like, your huge enemies what? get things.
0: Dr- dragons? In my dungeon and dragons? Right. What? Are dragons impressive in d and
1: <laughs> So, yeah, the displacer beast, they don't even mention the fact that it has six legs, initially. Mm. So, but, yeah, it, it gives that the molecular vibrations of a displacer beast are such that it always Ooh. appears to be three feet left, right, ahead, or behind from its actual position. And so there's some, some tractions when dice rolls, etc. So it's always had that sort of harder-to-hit style. The one thing that does carry forward is the fierce creatures hate all life, particularly blink dogs. In combat, the displacer beast lashes out with two tentacles inflicting horrible wounds with the rough, horny edges of these appendages. Now, in the original art, and they do, yeah, they say vaguely Puma-like in this initial description. So, bluish black, tentacles are dead black. So everyone... Horny edges of tentacles are brownish-yellow and eyes a hellish-green.
0: Hellish-green. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Puma for everybody is a large cat that's also similar to a cougar or a mountain lion.
1: Yeah, they're all names for the same creature. Creature, yes. Effectively. Yeah. You know, and they're they're pantherins. I mean they, you know, sort of square forehead, shorter muzzle, they're all that tawny brown, like deer color. Um, deer color. I mean, hey, everybody's deer, seen Bambi.
0: Huh, deer come in a variety of colors.
1: So do panthers.
0: Yet, Deer color. I
1: mean, it's accurate. <laughs> Listen, people already know what I'm talking about. So here's the thing. it's uh, Imagine, you know, your, your black panther, black puma mm-hmm.
0: coloration. They're,
1: you know, large, round paws, mm-hmm. um, square shoulders. What's interesting in that initial... Image, you get the impression of six legs, but there are not six legs drawn. It's just too, it's like if if the back leg was just drawn on the front side. Mm -hmm. Because again, the art in first edition is unique.
0: Unique. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. It's not (laughs) Um, good. A lot of it though,
1: and it's because of the fact that it's, you know, so much of the art in those early editions was whoever was around with a pencil that. Roughed out a sketch, Sketch. and that's kind of what Mm -hmm. went forward. These were not hired, trained artists. This was, you know, the four or five of them in a basement kind of hashing things out in like Geneva, Wisconsin. We're not talking huge industry studios or freelancing. It's a lot of, it's all black and white, proportion, dimensions, backgrounds, pretty much non existent in a lot of the artwork. What is interesting is that in first edition, they had the sort of horns or spikes all the way along the length of the tentacle. Versus from second edition onward, it became only like at the ends on those pads.
0: Yeah, those kind of diamond-shaped pads. So
1: like the second edition art is a little bit more Puma-like. Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that the art there, most big cats, well, let's say most, all big cats barring some severe one-offs, of mutations have four legs. Yes. So in this instance, the extra fifth and sixth leg are part of the back legs. So it's those back, like, hips, the very, like, yeah, big Yeah, it almost structure. looks like there are
0: two hips, one after the other.
1: Versus from third edition on, they place them at the front end,
0: Okay, it's yeah, behind the shoulders. So then, instead, it's two four limbs
1: as opposed to two extra, extra rear limbs.
0: limbs. Yeah. Interesting. And, and so again, that original
1: art— who knows where it is? It sort of seems like a back, back leg. Back leg, yeah. And so, at some point, there was a distinction made of where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, that initial description doesn't call it out, but from second edition onwards, there is a, a call for it to them to be emaciated or very like skin and bones and like very lean muscle and. Second edition, you kind of see it Three five, I'm fairly confident that whoever their artist was had, like, one definition for the word emaciated, and that was skeleton with purple fabric stretched over it.
0: Yeah, it is...
1: Because it is, like, it exceedingly is, thin. Like, there's no room for organs. Yeah,
0: you know, there, there's no organs in there. Everyone, it's horrifying. Like,
1: it would make a Barbie doll look like a sumo wrestler. It's true. But meanwhile, they have what can only be described as a tumorous mass of muscle where the tentacles and the four front legs come together. Yeah. Like, like, there looks like massive there's massive bulge there.
0: Uh-huh. It looks like there's extra bones and things that shouldn't be there. It's Yeah, because
1: tendril... tentacles don't have bones.
0: It's not great, everybody.
1: Versus any of the other renditions, like, they are very fluidic, They're much more of, like, it's a muscular tube, which right. is what tentacles so, oh, are.
0: Yes. Tentacles everybody tentacles do not have bones
1: yeah generally speaking
0: we'll just let you know and we'll talk a little bit more about tentacly having you know creatures creatures yeah maybe we should put that on the episode it's like it's like warning tentacles
1: <laughs> but only two like it's not it's only not too many.
0: yeah but we're going to be talking about tentacles a lot later so
1: <laughs> so fourth edition they kind of get into a little bit like it's still very thin but they at least acknowledge that organs have to exist um,
0: Organs have to exist.
1: <laughs> and, and the, like, tumorous muscle bulge is not a, there. Yeah. It's much more of, like, this would be a very thin cat, mm-hmm. and then it's just, it happens to have a pair of tendrils okay, coming off. Hey, it's
0: laser bees. Quit that.
1: Fifth edition, somebody finally understood that, like, it's more about being lean. Like, emaciated is the wrong word.
0: Word, yeah.
1: Right? Like, the fifth edition is all muscle. Yes. Like, take the most muscular, lean pit bull you've ever seen but now make it a cat because you yep. know how pit bulls just have it's that very like velvety thin fur mm-hmm. yep. and you can see every defined muscle in that body yep.
0: every tendon in it's there it's that mm-hmm. yeah. like
1: they're very meaty they there's absolutely room for a skeleton a full set of organs this is a creature that eats voraciously and so it, it and looks it like runs
0: that. yeah it definitely has it's that still a
1: an ambush predator, predator. yeah and that, that theme carries through but what I do find interesting is they, I mean, they do start to expand on it in later editions we're not talking about it doesn't stay as just like yep it's this panther thing and it hates blink dogs and that's all you get they definitely tried their best to give it a lot more of an interesting format you also come across something called a pack lord
0: so interesting so if, if displacer right.
1: beasts were not bad enough which they certainly are and again, there's that horrifying 3-5 art for you. 3-5 <laughs> gives it, it looks like an emaciated panther with blue-black fur, and a body nothing but muscle and bone. A pair of tentacles spout from its shoulders and end in horny-ridged pads. So here, you know, we've gone away from the full-length spiny tendril to more of a targeted whip-end on the tendril. So they're savage and stealthy carnivore resembling a puma in some respects. Favoring small game, but will eat anything they catch. They have a deep-seated hatred of blink dogs, and the two attack each other ruthlessly when paths cross. A displacer beast is the size of a Bengal tiger, about nine feet long and weighing 500 pounds. Yikes! So again,
0: (laughs) emaciated when
1: you only weigh 500 pounds at that size makes sense, because Mm -hmm. a full-grown tiger is like 800 800 to 1,200
0: 1200 pounds. Mm -hmm. It's a
1: lot of animal.
0: Made of murder.
1: Displacer beasts speak common.
0: What? Mm Mm-hmm. What
1: they speak common. Sorry,
0: everyone, I'm I'm blue screening for a second. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you know they specifically call. <laughs> okay, up.
0: okay, fifth edition. There are no languages, by the way, everybody. No languages. Not the three five one. Now this horrifying. Uh, see, I always loved thingy. that
1: displacer beasts could talk.
0: <laughs> see, there you go. You want to do something freaky in your game? Mm mm There you go.
1: But there's also the displacer beast pack lord.
0: Oh, even better. Oh, tell me. Go on. So, you
1: know, your displacer beast is large, 9 feet, 500 pounds. Due to the bizarre nature of their anatomy, displacer beasts are unusually likely to produce mutant offspring. These whelps can grow to tremendous size, reaching a length of 20 feet and standing almost 10 feet high at the shoulder.
0: Oh, what? what?
1: Pack lords, what? as these gigantic displacer beasts are known, frequently lead bands of their smaller fellows. Except for their freakish size and strength, packlords resemble normal displacer beasts. See, so, yeah, they're big, and they've got like four times the hit points.
0: Okay, sorry, I'm still getting past this 20-foot-long cat.
1: Oh yeah, 20 feet long, 10 feet high at the shoulder. This thing is bigger than draft horses. Like it's a triceratops, but cat-shaped.
0: I I hate it. <laughs> I just,
1: and it carries forward. Like, 4th oh Edition no. has them.
0: Oh, do they?
1: 4th Edition has it. 5th Edition doesn't.
0: Ah, no. Now a- At least in the
1: base Monster Manual. I haven't looked past that. But I'm assuming... I don't recall them showing up anyplace else.
0: I mean, I could we, go ahead and... We could and do a little digging. Here, let me go dig just in case. You know, sometimes things... Fo- S- somebody fo- has
1: to have statted it.
0: Yes, but... Uh, because
1: it's just too great a thing to add, right?
0: Okay. Panic and so... Lord...
1: Yeah, 4th no, edition... That's
0: a null pack, Lord.
1: 4th edition, they add a little bit more to them. So again, still way bigger. And interestingly, their displacement feature... The thing with displacement, starting in 3.5 at least, because I don't have 2nd edition on hand, True Seeing does see through it. However, any melee or ranged attack has a 50% chance to miss. So even if you hit by the dice roll, it's still a 50-50 if it hits or not.
0: Mm.
1: Unless it's a critical they do have uh, resistance to ranged attacks as well, but your pack lords also gain a nimble stride in 4th edition, so they ignore difficult terrain and speed penalties for squeezing. So normally with squeezing, it drops your speed in half. Yeah? Yeah, apparently Displacer Beast Pack Lords, a 20-foot-long, 10-foot-high creature, uh-huh. doesn't take that penalty. What? Uh-huh. So it is a huge magical beast in 4th edition. They call it out as a beast, not a monstrosity. Okay. But yeah, so it has that. It also has the ability to make a basic attack as it shifts away from things. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it does have the threatening reach. They actually gave it 15 feet or three squares in the 4th edition. uh, For the pack lord, at least. So it's got Mm -hmm. a longer reach being a bigger entity. Still that 50% chance to miss. Mm -hmm. Displacer beasts are often trained as attack beasts or guard animals. And 5th edition actually does give them a bit more of that lore. And Displacer Beasts do show up, I think, a couple of times in some of the, the d novels over the years. Okay. But for once, it's not a wizard, did it? It's, so. it's not a wizard at all. They are actually originally, and 4th edition calls out their origin, being that origin can be important for some of your spells and mm-hmm. some of your mm-hmm. abilities. They are fae creatures. Yes. They are originally of the fey. And 5th edition calls them out as being trained by the Unseelie Court. Yes. So you have your Seelie Court, which is like your good and, and like, good side of neutral fae, and then your Unseelie Court, and this goes back, that's, we're talking ancient lore, if you want to get into that, there are definitely better sources than either of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But your Unseelie Court are much more ranging, like, some of the good, like, the Seelie Court can still be a little mischievous, but they mean well at the end. The Unseelie Court is like, we're going to trip your horse and make you fall off a cliff. Because you're human and fuck you, that's why. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they give shit. no, no shit. Anything that is not fey is like, does not need to exist. And
0: even the things that are fey, they're kind of like, hey. So
1: they supposedly found the original displacer beasts and like bred them bigger and meaner. And gave them their, like, lawful evil alignment. Like, Ooh. most most of your beasts and, like, minor monstrosities oh, are neutral. Nice.
0: Yes, warriors of the court selectively bred the beasts to reinforce their ferocious and predatory nature, using them to hunt unicorns, pegasi, and other wondrous prey.
1: Right. So they specifically were like, all the pretty things? Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. Here is a demon panther with yeah. tentacles.
0: Oh, but it didn't take long for the Displacer Beast to use their malevol-
1: malevolent intelligence, malevolent intelligence. Yeah, they are. That's they thing. Their, their int is low, but their whiz is actually high.
0: Yeah, that's true. They have
1: a lot of, like, they they go above and beyond, like, ingrained instinct and into the level of, like, they can be manipulative. They know how to well, lure... Well,
0: they have a whiz of 12, which is a plus one. This is like some adventurers have the whiz this high.
1: So the thing is, they call out the tactics where one will go out and, like, lead enemies in to a pack of them in the woods. Like, they will set up traps and ambushes. Like, they're not an ambush predator in the classic sense of, like, they hide in one spot and wait for food to come by. Mm -hmm. Like, they actively pursue food and bring it to preset traps with others. It's cooperative in its evil and its hunting. Like, I'm not entirely certain why they took away the language. Because, again, that's why I loved it being able to speak common. It's a very fey thing. Mm -hmm. That even the beasts may speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you have this lawful, evil, intelligent entity that can speak to the adventurers and be manipulative and have plans and think ahead. And, again, it's the reason that not having pack lords in 5th edition, at least any place like in the Monster Manual missing out and on I couldn't find it. Yeah. Missing out mm-hmm. on pack lords means okay, if they speak common and this is like the big boss displacer beast, think about the kind of shenanigans they can get up to of like you could have a displacer beast crime organization running in your woods. Like that's totally a thing you could do.
0: Oh, for sure. And here's a nice thing on sort of the Unseelie Court, um they added this into 5th edition lore. Is running and breeding fear, freely in the Feywild, Displacer beasts soon came to the attention of the Seelie Court. Well, the Right. With Blink Dog companions at their side, Fey hunters drove these predators to the fringes of the Feywild, where many crossed over to the Material Plane, a.k.a. where...
1: yeah, Hence where they show up in the Prime Material, Material Plane, Plane with your adventures.
0: Yes. To this day, Displacer beasts and Blink Dogs attack each other on sight.
1: So now. here it finally gives... It, finally! Five editions in... 35 An actual years.
0: reason besides that cats and dogs don't like each other. Right. <laughs> Which is
1: probably what the original is like, well, we have this evil cat, cat, so let's make a lawful good thing that uh, I don't know, it can teleport. There we go. Yay. Yay. Now they have a reason to hate each other. Finally, a lawful
0: there's a... E- a lawful good dog, because opposites.
1: Oh, yeah, because cats are clearly evil and dogs are good. I mean, that was the, probably the whole reasoning in the initial setup. Probably. Now at least there's a lore reason of like, okay, mm-hmm. they were... Blink dogs were trained hunters to take down, which mimics you know the old European nobility of having dog packs to help mm-hmm. them hunt, be it foxes right. or other vermin. Here's a bunch of haughty British noble elves mm-hmm. going out into the woods with their dog pack, hunting down the you know the poor displacer beast. Mm-hmm. you know that well, just ate a few children. I mean come on
0: <laughs> just a few. it's fine. Now the displacer beast is similar to cats. Like real-world cats in that displacer beasts kill not just for food, but for sport. The target prey, even when not hungry, often toying with their victims to entertain themselves until they are ready to eat. After killing its prey using its tentacles, a displacer beast drags the corpse to a quiet place where it can feed without distraction. This is very similar to basically all cats. In the real world. Displacer beasts hunt alone or in small prides that demonstrate skill at setting ambushes. A single beast will strike and withdraw, looming prey into densely wooded area where its packmates wait. Packs of displacer beasts hunting near trade roads recall the frequency and schedule of regular caravans, laying down ambushes to pick off those caravans.
1: So the thing is, yeah, they're smart enough to remember... Like, okay, it's been three sunrises, it's time for the local caravan to come through. Yep. Like, they're smart, you know, they may not have names for days of the week, mm-hmm. but they, because again, their intelligence is low, but their wisdom is high. Mm-hmm. They recall details. And, you know, as big cats go, particularly pumas and panthers, they, they are not pack hunters. They are solitary ambush predators for the most part. Like, the most pack activity you'll get out of that kind of an animal is a mother rearing its young and training them to hunt. So this is something that's more like a lion pride mm-hmm. or your wolf packs or your, you know, hyena packs. Yeah. Displacer beasts are a little unique in that other than lions, there really aren't any other pack hunting not, cats. Not
0: really any other pack hunting cats besides like lions. Back to what you talked about prize guards and pets. So intelligent evil creatures favor displacer beasts as pets, but a displacer beast enters such an alliance only if it appears beneficial. A displacer beast might guard a vault or act as a bodyguard for a prominent individual.
1: But it would have to be, like, a pride thing, and likely you'd have to keep, like, feeding it. Like, as soon as the food runs out, you are food.
0: Yeah. I'm out of here, bud.
1: Or even if, again, if they're just bored. That, too. (laughs) Because they hunt for sports. So you're not Mm -hmm. talking about a creature that's just here for food. It might just get bored and be like, oh, you're running down the hallway? Meet your food now. Because you're there. It's true. So, yeah, it's a creature that goes back, and I I forget, one of the additions actually calls out that their eyes glow even beyond death.
0: Woo, I love that.
1: So you always, so you, even if you kill one, its eyes still glow.
0: Could you see, like, some, like, weird lich guy or something like that have a head of a displacer beast and use that as a reading light?
1: Or even, like, an, just the eye on the end of a staff. Right. Like, as an ornament. ornament? Yeah.
0: Here's your flashlight. Take a displacer beast and stick it on. There you go. Yeah, put,
1: put a displacer beast eye on a stick. Stick. There's your torch. Yep. There's your ever-burning torch. You know. There you go, right, everybody? Sure, it's hellish green. You know, so it's a, this lurid shade of of green. Yeah, Think but that's like, like an
0: aesthetic. That's a particular, you know...
1: But you hey, know. not everybody's into lurid green light sources. Are
0: you sure? Sh- lurid green light sources? <laughs> are, you, are you sure, though? I mean...
1: So, yeah, whatever whatever hellish green is, I don't know if that's like hyper color green from the 80s or if we're talking like that sort of bluish green more on the green end of turquoise kind of color dial the saturation back
0: i mean i haven't visited hell lately so i don't quite remember you know the different palettes they've used every time i go back they've redecorated bald
1: mountain kind of green flames (laughs) shooting up out of green flames but i mean that's just (laughs) it right Is it's you know what is hellish green I guess that's up to interpretation, but he's right. some somewhere in the broad spectrum that is green light, anywhere between yellow and blue. So yeah, you've you've got this ever glowing green eye. Again, the fact that they can speak, at least in some editions, screw it, I'm keeping that. Yeah, like I'm
0: keeping that mm-hmm.
1: because you can give them all the like creepy hissy s voice, and or you could make them you could make them sound very noble and kind of lure people into right. deals. Like, this could be very scar in the Lion King. Yeah, right? yeah that's what I was thinking. The, very very scar smooth in the Lion talking, King. very like their charisma is not super high. <laughs> and again, maybe because it is a you know, lower intelligence, they're not the most loquacious of beasts. Their diction is not very high. They may speak in very simple, kind of broken sentence, common. But it's still the fact that here is this nine foot long, five hundred pound, tentacled, glowing eyed creature in the night, speaking to you, Uh that's not, as much as it is a common language, it's not a common occurrence, when it's not devils and demons Mm -hmm. and, you know, hags, I mean, anything in the night speaking to you from the darkness of the woods, you're expecting evil, and you're right, but (laughs) this is not the evil you were looking for, This is not the evil you were looking for. Like, you don't expect the nine-foot-long cat to pad out of the woods, you expected some old, you know, crone with her witch light not Bagheera with tentacles. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there you go, everybody. Bagheera with tentacles. That could be a new NPC. Why the heck not? Do we want to get into the science at least a little bit? You know, we've mentioned some of them.
1: So, yeah, I mean, you've got Big Cat. Yep. Large, darkly colored Big Cat. Mm-hmm. And a couple extra legs slap some tentacles on it, you know, cut and paste those off of a, of a squid of your preference <laughs> and go, right? Like, it's... As monstrosities go, it's not as far out there as monstrosity can really get. I mean, right. monstrosity can go all the way up to, like, Umber Hulk, all the way out to, you know, Gibbering Mawther. Mouther. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Bra- yeah. You know, you're running the gamut from beast to aberration, and anything that falls between the outer limits of those is your monstrosities. Right. So, you know, giant bears, any of your dire animals, monstrosities can be owl bears. monstrosities can be you know, displacer beasts, does a blink dog count? Don't know. I haven't Don't looked. Know. But, I mean, odds are good that it's either a beast or a monstrosity. Which is it? Well, it has magic powers, so... That makes
0: it, you know...
1: Could be either or. Right. And, you know, again, the fey origin comes up. Right. So that puts it definitely into a class of its own. Mm-hmm. So your your silent hunter type definitely applies. And as nice. we already said, you know, as far as pack hunting goes with felines, not y- super common.
0: No, it's a little bit more like if they're talking about pack mates and stuff of that nature and teamwork, that's a bit more like, like how lions work. Yeah, it's
1: a pride of lions.
0: And they're ambush predators, same way, that's how... Yeah, pretty
1: much all cats are much all ambush cats, of some type. Even yes. your cheetahs that are running down prey they wait until they're close before they start that chase. Right. Like, it's never a, hey, I see that thing a mile away, I'm going to run it down. Like, no, they wait in long grass and catch it quickly.
0: Now, lions set up traps, too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they work together of ones that are, you know, chase prey towards their fellows that are somewhere within the grass. Or in
1: trees. Or or, in trees
0: or whatever. And and Displacer
1: beasts, they call out their favored climate and, like, environmental zone as temperate hills. Yes. So they're looking for forested areas, you know, rolling topography so there can be gullies and hides and places to right. set up those types of ambushes. Mm-hmm. Presumably that is probably close to wherever they had originally lived in the Feywild. Briar patches and brambles and things where they can drive prey against something. They're looking for cliffs to back them up against. They're looking for narrow channels that they know but their prey doesn't. So again, that belies that intelligence. They're using their environment to their advantage. Mm -hmm. This is something that lions do. Something's out where it's not as tall of grass, neat. I'll chase it into my compatriots that are waiting in the tall grass. I will drive them into that wooded area. I will wait by the watering hole for things to come up, sneak up behind it, and catch it. It's about leveraging their environment to their needs. And that's true of a lot of big cats. You know, when you think about tigers, They wait in the shaded parts of jungles and forest land, hoping and utilizing their stripes as camouflage.
0: And so we can get into the camouflage a little bit of how Displacer Beasts work on that. They have this ability to do the displacement, which is like...
1: camouflage, the molecular vibrations, vibrations, if you go back a couple of editions.
0: But the thing is that you don't need even some magical stuff to be able to camouflage like this cat does of just being in the undergrowth, right? In this gully, in the shadows and whatever. Lions are colored the way they are because they are similar color to the grass of the Serengeti.
1: Yeah, a lot of and the Serengeti, so, during, especially during dry season, is brown.
0: And so the thing is, like they just disappear in there.
1: And, and one, because you've got a, a hot sun, you want mm-hmm. to be a, a lighter color to reflect away any of your you know, light and not have to take in so much heat. They live in a very hot environment. Something that is dark-colored like this is closer to a leopard or a jaguar. And there are melanistic jaguars and Mm -hmm. leopards and black panthers that are very dark. They live in forested areas, jungle areas. They're in the undergrowth where there's a lot of shadows. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to blend in then. And again, because you're in a very shaded area, you want to take in that, that heat and keep your body temperature up. Even being mammalian, it's just easier on your system if you're already warmer now being the unseely part of the fey it's the more shaded part it's the more shadowy sort of you know mystical portion you know it's not the bright sunshine and rainbows and unicorns in the magical forest this is like the dark twisted spooky hollow kind of forest so being a bluish black or all black creature makes a lot of sense you're going to blend into that environment and so when you make your way to the material plane You're going to want to stay in the forested areas where your camouflage is to your advantage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being the size of a Bengal tiger, well, tigers themselves use camouflage. Their striations are meant to hide in long grasses, shaded places, that bright orange color. You're like, well, they're bright orange. You can see them. Neat. Get online. Look up tigers in their natural environment. They disappear. You're like, how does a 10-foot-long, 1,200-pound animal disappear? Well, when you are in a forest, there's a lot of light and shadow that are constantly changing because of the overhead branches. Striped pattern works really well in that environment. So, you know, all black obviously is going to stand out, but in deep shadow, hunting at night, not a problem for your feline predator. They have great night vision. They don't need a lot of light. And having glowing eyes likely, you know, above and beyond them. Cats do have their tapetum lucidum that is at the back of the eye, it helps them bounce the light a couple of extra times to pick up more light in their environment. It's the reason that cats have the eye shine when you shine a light on them at, at night. You know, and a lot of animals do. You know, skunks do. Possums do. Raccoons do, I believe. You know, a lot of your nocturnal animals have this adaptation. Okay, so take that to its extreme, being a fey creature, their eyes literally glow all the time. But presumably that's going to help them in dark environments to see what's around them. It's, it's an extra light source that presumably helps them in their hunting. It would be a natural advantage. Plus the fear tactic. Because again, watch any spooky movie, cartoon, whatever. The glowing eyes in the dark is a trope for a reason. It's because true. Because there is something intrinsically deep in our psyche that is like, whatever that glowing eye thing is, I don't want to deal with it. Hell, deer's eyes glow in the dark. If you mm-hmm. shine a light at them.
0: Mm-hmm. And that has to do with bouncing off of the back right. of the retina. Right, again, it's,
1: it's being able to see in the dark.
0: So should we go into why that is a little bit?
1: Feel free. I mean, I, I sort of mentioned the the tapetum lucidum, but...
0: Mm. So humans don't do this, but there are different animals that do this, especially ones that are more nocturnal, is that they have... So the eyeball. <laughs> so let's start with the eyeball.
1: The vast majority of creatures that have eyes. The eye is almost always... Fluid-filled, typically a more gelatinous fluid, so that it holds its shape better. Mm -hmm. Very few creatures are using any type of eye that isn't like an eye spot, because there are some underwater marine creatures. Like most eldritch things, they come from the deep. There are some creatures that have more eye spots that are just a light-sensitive organ, but it's not an eye in the traditional sense. And it and most eyes are gelatinous.
0: Yeah, light-sensitive cells. Plants also sense light using similar sort of molecules and stuff, but that is all over their body instead of being in a central kind of organ. But, but I yes, digress. An <laughs> eye
1: is gel filled. It's your vitreous humor. And so that, that's why I call it the forbidden jello shot. Um, it is the world's worst gusher. If... Listen, dissect a sheep head sometime. No! You'll figure don't... it out.
0: I've done it. I don't need to do it again.
1: Eyeballs are gelatinous. They are they are not it's not water in there.
0: No, it is not. Forbidden jello shot. Why are you the way you are?
1: Listen, I have a brand. (laughs) But so yeah, light enters through the front. You have your lens that allows you to focus the light. I'm
0: double checking to make sure we've got the anatomy correct.
1: It enters through sure. Absolutely, please do. Mm I'd rather be fact checked now than later.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, Mm -hmm. So
1: it enters through your pupil into which is a hole. Yeah, It's literally just a hole.
0: Just a hole. You have your iris over it. Right. right. The
1: iris is what actually does the shrinking and the contracting and expanding. To let in more more or or less light. light.
0: Cornea is the outside.
1: And so your light enters through the cornea, through the lens, passes through the aperture of the iris, through the pupil. Through the pupil. Which is the hole. The hole passes through that vitreous center portion, the the gooey center.
0: The vitreous body, yeah. Vitreous
1: body, thank mm-hmm. you, not know, vitreous humor, that's a different type of anatomy. Much older. Yes. So the vitreous body of the eye. And it hits your retina. And that is what is the light sensing portion on the, the back.
0: Which is the back side of the eye, the back inside of the curve which has a bunch of different cells on it which are made up of
1: rods, rods and, cones.
0: and cones. Right. Which are different types of rhodopsins. Photoreceptors.
1: So your rods are meant for your night vision, but well, specifically for it is light. Overall light. It's light saturation. Versus your cones are your color receptor. So that's the reason that at night, because there's not much light, cones need much more energy to activate. Mm-hmm. So your rods are always basically active, so that's why at night and the reason that dark vision, without getting into the whole dark vision versus infra vision issue in older editions your dark vision always calls out that you do not see in color. I believe superior dark vision and I think devil's sight might actually allow for color vision. It's been a minute since I've looked at those. Yeah. But most of your dark vision in D&D specifically calls out that there is no color. That is indicative of, and even humans, despite not having dark vision in the D&D sense, in the real world, we can still see to a certain degree in the dark. We require a significant amount of light, but it's doable. You know, go outside on a night with a full moon, you can see just fine regardless of any other light source. It's not great. It's basically grayscale because it's your rods. It's your color, satur- it's your light saturation. So it's your capability to detect light whatsoever. So that retina is there. But in, in creatures like cats, like displacer beasts, presumably that tapetum lucidum is an additional layer that allows light to be bounced an additional time yes. or two to pick so up additional photons So the
0: tapetum lucidum is a layer over the retina. And so, what it allows to happen is, when the light comes in, it hits that, bounces, bounces back, and hits the retina again. And so, there's it's, le-
1: it's a, like a one-way mirror. It lets yes. light through, and then it, when it hits the front, the back side, it bounces. It
0: bounces again, yeah. right, in that small space. After light hits your retina, then it, the optic nerve, which is connected to the back, right, takes those signals, goes to your brain, processes that, and then gives you the image
1: in humans also requires you to flip the image upside down.
0: So the thing is, is that's the same for pretty much, I think, all land mammals. The the difference is squid eyes. Squid eyes are octopus because those types of animals evolved the eye independently of us. And they actually did it properly so that you don't have to have the the image. image flipped, which is incredible to me. Because they came up with almost the same exact design. Structure. So this is another another version of everyone our favorite our favorite term our the favorite crab term, problem? the convergent evolution.
1: Oh, the crab problem. The
0: convergent evolution. <laughs> we're not going to go so talk about. So
1: will eventually evolve into a better visual crab.
0: We're not going to talk about crabs today. Okay, there you go, Ching. If you do, if you listen to our podcast the, and do a twenty drinking game, natural twenty bingo. Crabs have been mentioned at least once. Since you have that tapetum lucidum, humans don't have this, but there are a variety of animals that do. That is the eye shine you get.
1: And it can vary in color depending on the animal, just based on how it's flexed, what exact materials are involved in its construction. That's the reason I think it's skunks, their eye shine is red, versus cats is typically green.
0: Yeah, it's green, and depending on it, unless they have blue eyes, then it's red. In uh, raccoons, it's orange.
1: Deer, it's almost white. It's like a, deer, bluish, it's white.
0: Almost like a bluish white.
1: Dolphins thing. actually have one too. It's
0: possible. I, I, I could right. double check. The other thing about a cat's eye that we don't have is the nictitating membrane.
1: And also, we don't have vertical pupils. No, not our pupils that are circular. People. Unless you're a manuel. or a palace cat. Same. A palace cat. They actually have uh, round pupils like we do. So yeah, with the slit pupil, again, the vertical pupil allows you to take in more light, particularly at night, and their pupils, when dilated, will fill almost the entirety of the like optical space. Their eyes open much wider than human eyes yep. typically do.
0: And the iris itself will get much reduced in
1: comparison to
0: like how sort right. of
1: ours look. An adaptation to draw in a large amount of light.
0: Now, um, binocular
1: in- vision, you know, their eyes are on the front of their head. Mm-hmm which is very common to predators in general.
0: which we have talked a little bit about when we talked about the owlbear and some other types of predators, sight predators.
1: The other thing with cats, you've got top of having solid vision, you also have rotating ears to allow you to pick up sound from nearly any direction. So to
0: funnel sound in.
1: And they can locate by using each ear independently to help them echolocate down to which which direction is the sound coming from. Humans are bad at it because our ears are basically even Mm -hmm. on our head.
0: I should also mention that we do have a reduced nictitating membrane. Yes, so that and it hits is your tear duct. That's our tear duct. That used to be a nictitating membrane, but it's very reduced. And basically, what it does is it helps cover the eye from damage, damage, yeah. dust, debris, that sort of thing. And so, in cats. It will, it also is almost like another lid. It's
1: your third eyelid, is Third eyelid,
0: right, that closes underneath the eye when their eyes are closed. So you
1: have your two outer, you know, standard eyelids, just like humans and a lot of other mammals have. They have that third, crocodilians have it, sharks have it. Right,
0: and it comes up from the side. It's pretty right. much
1: always white or white-ish, white ish, mm-hmm. white adjacent. And, and so, helps. yeah, again, it helps defend them. In their instance, it's usually just a cleaning mechanism. Mm-hmm. But in things like sharks and crocodiles, it comes out to protect them. For crocodiles, it's used to, for water vision. They have built-in swim goggles. Yes. Cats don't use it in that instance, but it is again, it's for an extra way to clear debris. It also can protect them from damage if you if they have like incoming because cats fight, cats squabble. It's an extra layer of protection to keep their very important well, vision protected. And, not,
0: and most prey doesn't necessarily just lay and around and are like, right. "Oh, just ki-
1: <laughs> go ahead, kill me, kill, you caught me." Yeah,
0: you kill me, you caught me. Um, they tend to kill, not like claw, it. scratch, mm-hmm. bite.
1: So having that additional layer of protection is great for that as well.
0: Right. And so the nictitating membrane allows light to come through, but not much. Very
1: minimal. Yeah, they're not terribly translucent. And with with at least house cats. It's not something that comes out independent of their other eyelids.
0: No.
1: Um, I think there are a couple of the big cats that can flex them somewhat independently. Mm, but it's up. it's like a partial. Or if you have a particularly old house cat like we do that <laughs> his reflex motion is not great. <laughs> so, so when you wake him visit. up when he's been real deep asleep, it doesn't always like fold back fully. Yeah, so he looks for a like a little, little, little bit. demon, yeah. For he a he minute. looks a little possessed. <laughs> um you could have a small possession as a tree
0: small possession as a tree
1: being that he's a cat it may be a small possession we don't know but no yeah you, you absolutely are, are right that the, you know, the nictitating membrane is a, the an question, extra. the
0: question are all cats demons do you...
1: according to d d yes yes um because when they get real big and they come from the Feywild, wild they're lawful evil they grow tentacles and extra legs mm-hmm. a little freaky and, that, well, and there's an important point, too, is that with the extra legs, we talked a little bit in the artwork, that positioning. Honestly, the second edition and kind of first edition, not sure what they were thinking, because the extra back leg, which is much more like their springing and jumping locomotion, mostly going to get in the way.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really awkward. It's because it's going to splay the back
1: out. legs much further afield. Yeah.
0: I was trying to figure out how those hips great. would work, and it wasn't, it wasn't great.
1: Versus having an extra pair of forelimbs... So you've got kind of the, you can, and you can rear back on one set of back limbs, and now there are four paws to contend with. Their paws are more for grasping, more for climbing and, like, pulling things. Mm-hmm. Having an extra set of pulling limbs, advantageous. Right. Because, again, you have an extra, two extra sets of claws in the front, so there's eight extra four claws, two extra do claws for grabbing. All the point hands. In theory, like a lot of other, if you get into like the thrycrane, there's another D and D six-limbed entity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They use their second set of hands as sort of clever manipulators. They're not really fully, you know, weapon arms. Mm-hmm. In theory, displacer beasts, you know, limited kind of tool use. They could potentially grab something with the front limbs, pin it, and then they're using that second set of front limbs to tear into and eviscerate prey. It would make them a very efficient killer. And that's before you even get to the 10 foot long shoulder tendrils. So you've got a tendril grab, drag them in, pin them with the front set of legs, and then rending with the middle pair of legs. If you could design the ultimate killing machine, this is pretty close. Right? It's got teeth. It's got legs for ripping, legs for grabbing, tentacles for grabbing and ripping,
0: and a ten-foot reach with the tentacles for grabbing and ripping, which is a li- which is you know
1: and it has almost stripped away to,
0: that's three meters. Three,
1: yeah, three meters, give or take. take. further apart than you should stay with COVID-19. Yes, it is the ultimate social distancer because if you are within range of the tentacle, you're too close. <laughs>
0: imagine imagine the dark hug. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is the ultimate dark hug. Yeah.
1: Because it's the hug that draws you to the spiny parts. Yes.
0: Well, if we want to, let's talk about these tentacles then. Personally, and this is just and this is just me talking here. I thought that the design of the tentacles look a bit like that of a Humboldt squid.
1: Right, which is the ultimate predator of the deep. More tentacles. More tentacles. Welcome to the tentacle hour.
0: <laughs> So this is from Wikipedia. It's got a lot of names: Dosidicus gigas, which is also known as Jumbo Squid, Jumbo Flying Squid, Poda, and Diablo Rojo, Red Devil. Is a large predatory squid living in the waters of the Humboldt Current in the Eastern Pacific Ocean. When,
1: when your scientific name, the species portion, is literally big, yes, like gigas is fucking big. <laughs> Latin for holy shit, that's big. <laughs> Listen. I don't make the rules. <laughs> it's I true. I report the facts.
0: I report the facts. Humboldt squid typically reach a mantle length. So mantle is the body part.
1: The We're, tube portion. The of tube
0: squid. portion of the squid.
1: The non-tentacle portion. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: the non-tentacle portion. We have to we have to say because they get if you include the whole thing. They big. They big, is one and a half meters or four feet eleven inches, making it the largest member of its family. It has a reputation for aggression towards humans. Though its behavior may be possible only because it manifested during feeding times. Other members, like other members of the family, they p- possess bioluminescent photophores, So they glow in the dark, guys. Yeah, so they, this they, is good.
1: They, and, and typically, I think the current thinking is they use that to stun prey. And
0: are capable of quickly changing body coloration. So that's called metacrosis. metacrosis. They notably rapidly flash red and white while hunting, earning them the name Diablo Ojo among fishermen.
1: Imagine if you would a dark ambulance. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that wants to eat you.
1: <laughs> I said dark ambulance. It's true.
0: These chromatophores, so these are the color changey cells. There's a lot of different types of squid and octopus and things like that. fish, May rapidly cycle through colors other than red and white flashing too quickly for the human eye to see.
1: Or we may just be able to see them. Our color vision is kind of limited.
0: Yeah, it's not the best. And they're thought to have a relatively short lifespan of one to two years. Mostly because they eat one another.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, they are active cannibals. Yes. And if it can be eaten, the Humboldt squid will.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're most commonly found at depths of 200 to 700 meters. So So thankfully,
1: well out of the human zone. Generally speaking. Mostly.
0: 660 to 2300 feet from Tierra de Fuego to California.
1: So we're talking the... Far, far southern end of South America up mm-hmm. through California. It's a pretty broad range yeah. as oceans go.
0: This species is spreading north into the waters of Pacific Northwest and Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and Alaska. They are fished commercially, predominantly in Mexico and Peru.
1: So all of you Seattle Kraken fans... <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there. Humboldt squid tank. Pressurize the thing, put it in the arena. Seattle Kraken... Feel free to bring me in for any marketing you want.
0: <laughs> I'm here for you.
1: <laughs> El Diablo Rojo. The thing writes itself.
0: It does. It really does. Too bad it will try to throw the shit out of the tank. That's um. why you
1: pressurize it. <laughs> and you get real thick glass. Remember the transparent aluminum in Star Trek Four? Yep. That's what you're going to need. So
0: if anyone enjoys nature documentaries like, Star Trek, like uh, no, 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 Star Trek Four. Star Trek
1: That's not a documentary. It's got whales. <laughs>
0: Just because it's got whales and it doesn't make it a documentary. Believe,
1: per Spock, they're not your goddamn whales. It's
0: true. They're not your goddamn whales. If you enjoy real nature documentaries, stop. (laughs) They're called Blue Planet. Yes. is a very good one. And one of the more recent ones, on the deep sea ones, Mm -hmm. they had a submersible and they ran into a bunch of Humboldt squids who then attacked the shit out of the submersible.
1: Yeah, weirdly, (laughs) despite being cannibals, I recall they are pack hunters.
0: Yes. Which is... Kind of crazy. Basically,
1: it's if we run out of food, we'll just eat each other.
0: Yeah. I keep, mean,
1: keep your f- friends close and your enemies closer. All right. When they're the same thing, the proximity see, is not a problem see, anymore.
0: See? It's see? Just this smart. Is just efficiency. Some individuals can grow up to two point five meters, eight feet, and in this mantle is length,
1: pre tentacle,
0: and weigh up to hundred pounds. Generally, the mantle consumes about forty percent of the animal's mass.
1: Sixty percent tentacle.
0: The fins. Twelve percent, and the arms and tentacles about fourteen percent. Outer skin three, the head including the eyes and beak about five, and then balance yep. made up of inner organs twenty-six percent.
1: Remember, squids are like ninety-eight percent muscle oh. and two percent
0: beak. Oh no, guys! I got to the next part. It gets oh worse. no! Hooray! Oh no! Humboldt squids are carnivorous marine invertebrates that move in shoals. Oh, shoals, I'm sorry. Shoals, right. Up to 1,200 individuals. 1,200, guys. There's
1: your true god of meat and mouths. Yeah. 1,200 red and white flashing
0: feeding tubes. Angry, 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 Not
1: feeding tubes putting food into something else. It is a tube that must eat.
0: They swim up to speeds of 24 kilometers per hour or 15 miles per hour, propelled by water ejected through a hyponome or siphon and by two triangular fins. Their tentacles bear 100 to 200 suckers, each lined with razor-sharp teeth, with which they grasp prey and drag it towards a large, sharp beak.
1: Big parrot beak in the middle. Long-toothed tentacles. Grab. Pull. Your displacer beast tentacles look like... so. As I recall, they have several that are, like, shorter... And then a couple real long ones with those diamond shaped mm-hmm. pads
0: mm-hmm. on the end. See? Sort of the classic,
1: find. you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea, Kraken mm-hmm. come to eat the boat.
0: Very much so. See if Again, I find Seattle a Kraken. Nice...
1: Anytime. <laughs> Anytime.
0: I'm in. I'm in. I'm here for you. Right. I love
1: hockey. I'm cool with tentacles. <laughs> Just saying.
0: It's true. It's very true. Oh, gosh. So let's see. Let me go. Let me go look at these tentacles a little bit more. Wow! I never thought I'd say a sentence like that. No, I. uh, Nah. You live here. I live here. No, no, it's gonna happen. On these razor sharp teeth of the tentacles. This is this is even better. This is a little bit more like the more original art for the Displacer Beast. Is there's all the way way down, right?
1: Teeth all the way down.
0: Teeth all the way down.
1: Forget turtles. It's teeth all Mm -hmm. the way down.
0: Mm -hmm. It's true.
1: Slip into something comfortable. It's teeth all the way down. (laughs) Welcome to the tentacle
0: corner. Is that going to be a new corner?
1: Why not? (laughs) Want to make shit more freaky? Slap some tentacles Tentacles on on it. (laughs) Slap the back of an bear. This baby can fit so many tentacles.
0: Alright, here you go. I'm showing uh, Ethan right now a little bit of the art, but you can see these two. Right, so right. they've got,
1: you know, like all squids, there are typically ten tentacles or more. Ten tends to be the common number. Eight of them, I say short. We're still talking like that four to five foot range. Mm-hmm. And then two, much like the displacer beast, they're probably that like ten to twelve foot. Like they're a good double the length. Double the teeth, double the fun. Tooth shroud. There's your callback. <laughs> They shroud their teeth in tentacles. <laughs> and more teeth.
0: Alright, so that picture was actually one of, um, of a giant squid. So, the Humboldt squid has these many kind of teethy-toothy ones, right? Which I was using as a nice example because, well... <laughs>
1: what has both suckers and teeth?
0: What has both suckers and teeth?
1: When you can't make your own glue, find other ways to cling to your friends and enemies. Or both. Frenemies. <laughs> when your friend makes you angry, one of your 1,200, you've got 1,199 more. You can eat your friend.
0: It's true. I mean, it really is. Oh, well, I mean... That may be
1: nature's worst elementary school. Just 1,200 tooth-lined friends. Oh, yeah, so they got the suckers with, like, teeth in between. It looks like there might even be teeth in some of the suckers. It's unclear. But they real angry. No, they do have two that are longer, but in, in their case, they're not like significantly longer, but they're definitely wider and meatier.
0: Meteor. so it's not as pronounced of that diamond shape, so that little more pronounced That's more giant squid, squid. Is a more giant squid, although I had looked up, so that's still a common sort of thing, where at least there's at least two tentacles.
1: It may not be a significant, significant length, length increase, increase, but they're almost always like eight shorter and two longer. Right. Cuttlefish have them. Although they mm-hmm. tend to, like, coil theirs and use them to, like, harpoon things.
0: Right, exactly. Um,
1: versus your giant squids more let them, like, trail and grasp on with those and then pull them into mm-hmm. the nest of shorter tentacles. Right,
0: right. And so there was some talk about another one. So in...
1: <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a dark nest.
0: Oh, my God! what a dark nest. Um. So a colossal squid, which was mm-hmm. found in... Uh, 2003, because they wanted to make a difference. Of the, this was not a giant squid. They thought it was the same species, but oh no, oh no, they oh get, no, bigger. It get bigger. It get bigger. So it was almost 20 feet, six meters long. Is with, that
1: including the tentacles, or are we talking just body?
0: With spiked tentacles and huge protruding eyes, found off of Patagonia.
1: Okay, so South America.
0: Yep. So usually Far called in South America. neck. Nicotuthius Hamil, hamiltoni. Scientists examined so the scientists
1: who found it was named Hamilton. Got yes, it. the this is pre-musical.
0: Yes, examined the Rossi specimen. Coined the term colossal squid to distinguish it from giant squid, which is a different genus. Which is our is Nectuthes.
1: Still waiting on big ass squid. Yeah, I
0: know. They say that this species is the biggest and most fearsome squid known to science, and could grow to forty feet, twelve meters in length longer than a whale. Thought to be only the second intact example I've recovered the massive cephalopod was armed with two huge beaks. There are two beaks. Ooh, That's exciting. Yeah,
1: double the beak, double the fun.
0: Double the beak, double the fun. Rotating hooks along its tentacles. This latest find. Yeah, rotating hooks. There you go, everybody.
1: Universal Velcro. Imagine if you would, a dark velcro.
0: (laughs) So many. Why are there always teeth? Um, The latest find has revived interest in sea monster legends legends of old. Could it be such monsters really existed and still exist today?
1: Listen, top three options for eldritch horror. Tentacles, eyes, teeth. Too many of any. Excellent eldritch option.
0: It's true. So New Zealand squid expert Steve O'Shea from Auckland University of Technology has described the squid as a true monster. He told the BBC, giant squid is no longer the largest squid out there. We've got something that's even larger, and not just larger, but an order of magnitude meaner.
1: Yeah, again, rotating teeth and two beaks.
0: Two beaks. Double the beak, double the fun.
1: Was it like big outer beak, little inner beak, or like two separate feeding mouths?
0: I'm going to, I'm trying to see here. So this animal, armed as it is with hooks and the beaks that it, and the beak that it has, not only is colossal inside, but is going to be a phenomenal predator and something you don't want to meet in the water. Well, the,
1: there's a lot of things you don't, don't want to meet in the water. water.
0: So they were wondering. Starting
1: with the water.
0: Yes. So they're wondering if something like this is where the idea of a kraken came from. Some of the earliest tales about huge tentacled sea monsters date back to the 12th century when Norwegian Sea Affairs described an awesome beast called a kraken.
1: It's, Bi- I mean, they're the type of thing, so you, you usually, because most of them are deep sea predators. So yes. when we see them, like, washed up on shore or near the surface, they're usually dying. So the thing that's terrifying is, that's the one that's dead. How big is the one that's still alive?
0: Indeed. Especially because we have no idea how long they live. Either.
1: Yeah, like most mollusks, it's one of those, like, they live until they don't.
0: They live until they don't. We don't know if they die of old age. Most of the time because something... something
1: else. Likely another of their own kind kind. eats them.
0: them. By the 18th century, the Kraken still had a fearsome reputation in the natural history of Norway. The the Bishop of Bergen likened it to a floating island, adding that it seemed these are the creature's arms, and it said if they were to lay hold of the largest man-of-war, a ship, a man-of-war ship, that would pull it down to the bottom. Over time, the reputed size of these monsters was scaled down considerably, but the stories persisted. An alleged encounter between a giant squid and a French naval vessel was the basis for Jules Verne's squid of colossal dimensions, which was featured in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. There's also a count of sailors being attacked by a giant squid after their ship sunk during the Second World War. At least one sailor was supposedly eaten. And even this year, French yachtsmen, now this was back in 2003, taking part in the appropriately named Jules Verne Trophy, reported that a 26-foot-long, 8-meter squid clamped itself to their boat. So an early description of what is thought to be the colossal squid that we mentioned earlier, long scientific name, appeared in an article entitled Hunting Sea Monsters in 1953. It was Gilbert Voss wrote, a squid could qualify in the most lurid deep sea drama. There is some truth to this observation. Whalers who once worked the southern oceans were well aware of deep sea dramas played out between colossal squid and sperm whales, which led in Antarctic waters.
1: Because sperm whales eat squid.
0: Yes. The whalers often discovered giant squid beaks inside the stomachs of these whales,
1: because they would eat them basically whole.
0: Now you have to remember also that with squids, as well as octopus and other types of it's
1: the only the, part of them that's, that's hard. That's the only
0: part of them that's hard, right? Everything else is just muscle, you know.
1: Muscle and forbidden gusher.
0: <laughs> why? Why do we have to use that term? Why is
1: that forbidden or gusher?
0: <laughs> them together them together Uh, is not great
1: because again squid eyes are big and full of jelly
0: yeah they are (sighs) anyway
1: it is a very visceral image on purpose
0: well and i'm also wondering if on some of these dramas that play out i had seen a video of an octopus ruining a shark's day
1: oh yeah they're Equally voracious hunters.
0: The reason what the reason this octopus was ru- ruining a shark's day is because the shark attempted to eat the octopus, and what the octopus did was shove its tentacles into the gills of the shark, so that it couldn't breathe.
1: Because sharks have to keep moving, and their gills are constantly in motion. Mm-hmm. Well, if you fill the gills full of tentacle,
0: yep, and then grab no onto the gill plates until the shark had to let go because it couldn't because it was suffocating
1: right and the octopus is like go ahead rip an arm off i don't Don't care care. i'll grow it back Mm -hmm. some of them literally rip their arms off on purpose regularly that's how they breed they have a special tentacle that is usually filled with their sperm they rip it off throw it at the female octopus and cheese it
0: yeah because otherwise she'll eat them
1: yes When you're regularly ripping off body parts, you're like, go ahead, bite my tentacle, rip it off, don't care, I'll grow it back. Do you want to spice up your displacer beast? Could it have regenerating tendrils and be a recurring villain for low-level adventurers? Why the hell not? It speaks common. It's got toothed tentacles. Mm -hmm. Its eyes are hellish green and continue to glow beyond death. What's not to love?
0: Now, all you gotta do is... And
1: apparently they come in the variety that is four times as big. It What's just make not it, to love?
0: It, if it grows like squid do, just make it an old one. Just make it an old one. It doesn't
1: have to be a special mutation. It could mm. just be particularly old. Maybe a displacer beast being fey never stop growing. We just don't see the old ones that often.
0: Even more fun. Call it Diablo Rojo.
1: Make it red. Give it more tentacles. Make it flash red and white. Yes. Maybe part of its light displacement is it has figured out how to m- manipulate that light. Get your physics involved. Does it redshift the light where it's, you know, something that is traveling toward you and then it's blue shifted when it's, you know, behind it? So the color is manipulated by the light shifting. Get crazy. Maybe that's a local legend is some red and white blinking light in the dark and then the people disappear.
0: They hunt, displacer beast hunt in packs or prides if we want to make it more like lions. All right? Do we want to go full Humboldt squid? Do we want to have a shoal? Do we want to have 1,200 of them?
1: That would be truly horrifying. <laughs>
0: Let's just make And take up a
1: very large amount of space.
0: Yes, it would. However. However, okay. Displacer squid. Displacer squid. That's just a regular squid. They already shift light.
1: Right, but now you give them the displacement. And it's a shoal of 1,200 of them. Welcome to the deep sea. Imagine if you would a dark ocean.
0: So the regular ocean. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're afraid, stay afraid. Stay afraid!
0: afraid. <laughs> Everyone should be terrified of the ocean, okay? If your first
1: response to the the deep parts of the ocean is not to come back to shore, get a harpoon gun, and turn around and someone asks you, what's wrong? Ocean's haunted." haunted. That is the correct response. Because it may not be literal spirits, but that ocean is haunted. No,
0: that ocean has been haunted.
1: You go down there, you see shit. Shit you didn't know you wanted to see. Or maybe you never did. I don't know what you're into. I'm not here to kink shame. Maybe you're into the Humboldt squid thing. Lots of grippy toothed tentacles. Maybe that's your deal.
0: Lots of cannibalism. So there's there's the there's the four. But you don't get one.
1: No. You, you get one. You get twelve hundred.
0: Yes. You don't you don't get a little Humboldt squid as a treat.
1: No. No. A little Humboldt squid is probably like fifty.
0: Yeah.
1: A light snack.
0: <laughs> <A> light snack. <laughs>
1: I mean, remember your toothed whales like your sperm whales. The fifty Humboldt squid would probably be a light snack.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. As I said, they're all seriously mean down there. So,
1: I'm pretty sure anything that wasn't died.
0: Yeah. But there, there you go for evolution, right? It's the it it didn't make it. Well, it didn't make it because
1: be mean or die trying. trying. <laughs> Damn nature, you scary.
0: <laughs> Always.
1: So we took the most terrifying features of a voracious predator, slapped it on another one. And we're like, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to be more monstrous than that. Oh, wait, it was trained to be more evil by a bunch of evil elves. Dope. So now it's intelligent evil and filled full of predatory tools. It's got your teeth. It's got glowing eyes. It has tentacles. It's got claws. It runs real fast. It's got a speed of 40. 40 feet. It's smart. It's intelligent.
0: It, it travels in, in paths.
1: Do you want to make them... If Are you afraid of the dark? Stay Afraid.
0: afraid. You are correct.
1: (laughs) Like, this is the thing in the woods. This is the true cryptid. You can't look at it straight on. It's kind of fuzzy. It's hard to film, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. If filming existed, maybe Bigfoot is actually an upright displacer beast. It's hard to film, hard to see regularly. Like, It's cryptid fuel. It is the perfect local cryptid. Even if your adventurers never see it. The fact that it's like, you know, you, you can't always look at it straight on or know exactly where it is. You know, there's something weird about it. Like, it's the wrong shape. The glowing eyes in the dark. Like, this is the, this is the thing that goes bump in the night. Like, this is in that category. Absolutely use it that way. Like, th- this is the tale you tell the little farm kids to stay out of the woods at night. Because the green glowing eyes show up and then you're dead. It's going to win. Like, as a commoner, this thing wins. Every time. Yeah. Adventurers struggle with it. It ain't going to be pretty for you. Forbidden gusher.
0: <laughs> Why? Why do you have to do that? Why do you do that to
1: me? I don't have a reason. I just have <laughs> of things to talk about.
0: I have of things to talk about. I think we covered it pretty... If anyone's doing your natural 20 bingo, I think we've, I think we've covered about...
1: Eldritch horrors. Horrors. Crabs, staying afraid. Staying afraid, yes. Dark Things. Yes. Green, green Flames. Green Flames. Damn Nature You Scary.
0: Yes. Um Moon's Haunted. Moon's Haunted. Did we ha- did we have a band name?
1: I mean Displacer Beast is already a pretty great band name.
0: It really I is. Don't really
1: feel like you need a whole lot more.
0: No, not really. Not really.
1: Right, like it, that is a great band name.
0: hmm
1: Pack Lord, first album. Nailed it. Yeah. Right? Like Oh,
0: perfect. There you go. Mm-hmm.
1: The, I don't think you need more than that. (laughs) I can see the t-shirt. And seriously, though, Seattle Kraken. Call me.
0: (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, If you have any questions, comments, or you have any suggestions of topics that we should cover in the future, please tweet those at us at nat 20 pod or email them to us at natural20podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you would like any of your adventures in your own D&D games about different creatures that you had fun with, please submit those stories to us, and we will feature them at the beginning of our next podcast in our Creature Feature. We would like to thank Embers Tide for our intro and outro music, we would like to thank Burnham with three M's for our beautiful profile and banner artwork. We would also like to thank Shadow Dunn for listening to all of the rough drafts of our podcast. He listens to our mistakes so you don't have to.
1: And as always, keep rolling and natural 20.